Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. And press play. <laughs> I believe it is called the call. <laughs> this is true, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, welcome, everyone. Mm, welcome to another week. <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> We decided to have a bit of a break last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to those of you who have stuck with us through that. <laughs> yeah, and I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I will say the episodes that we had with Andre were just so good. I think if there's one thing that I take away from our time with Andre, it was that stories matter. Mm. And regardless of what your experience has been, mm. you matter and your story matters. And I guess the challenge is then how do I share my story? Mm. How do I share my experience? And that's mm. not easy because a lot of times there is a lot of shame mm. and rejection that we've gone through that mm. it's um, kind of scary to share our story, mm. to share our experiences, or even mm. just to be ourselves, I guess. For, for yourself, Dan, you came out and then you went into a, a journey, <laughs> if I should put it that way. <laughs> yep, that's one Where way. you, I guess, took the position that you had been mm. um, changed. changed yep. Yeah. And then you've come out again mm. and mm. are now married. Here's, here's a question specific to this there's a church there's a there's an adventist church mm -hmm. next door to us mm. you've preached there before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while you were on that journey yeah and more recently because we've now moved here and we're right next door apart from all of the other reasons that we both know of why we are not really that excited about visiting <laughs> that church is there a bit of shame mm. that's you know, mm. does shame come into one of the reasons mm. why you don't feel like you want to attend the church? Mm. And does that sort of speak to maybe just your whole, your experience mm. in regards to dealing with the church and dealing with people from the church? I don't, I don't know yeah. if that's a loaded question. And <laughs> I know this is not something we discussed before <laughs> recording this. So um, we can always edit this out yeah. really. But that is a that is a loaded question, but it is a good question. I think I um, uh, th I mean the simple answer would be yes, uh, yes. I think absolutely there is there is an element of shame there, and and I think that that's um, yeah. I mean that's something that I've been thinking about recently. Is just how much how much shame I carry around, and and where that comes from. Um, you know, I think we were talking earlier today about shame a little bit, and. And what does it mean to be ashamed? Why are we ashamed? Mm. What what causes that? Um, is it because we, um, I guess, inherently know that something is wrong and therefore we're ashamed of it? Or are we ashamed of something because we believe that society or the people around us or the community we're in sees it as wrong, even mm. if it... it whatever it may be that we're ashamed of yeah. is not actually wrong. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I think there's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of both. Um, for example, some people can be ashamed of their body. 
They can be ashamed of whatever shape or size they are. Mm. When the reality is there's actually nothing wrong with anyone's body. There's nothing inherently wrong with anyone's body shape or size. And yet people can be ashamed of that, Mm. not because it's wrong, but because of how they perceive society or the community around them, the people around them will react to that. And, And I just want to like put another example on this. You'll notice I have an accent and I find, and I've noticed this at work. So I look after a team at work and one of the conversations I was having with one of my staff um, who is also from a background that's not white and uh, for them, English is definitely a second language. Um, And... I was talking with them about why I wasn't hearing a lot from them when it, you know, when it came to team meetings mm. or, you know, team catch up. They'd probably, they, they're usually the quiet one. Mm. And this person who probably is one of the most experienced people I know um, went, well, you know, I'm ashamed of my accent. Mm. And it was up until that point that I went, yeah, you know, I I have seen that where, a lot of times minorities mm. um, who, for whom English isn't necessarily a first language do sometimes feel ashamed about their accent mm. or maybe their ability to speak English to a standard, you know, that everyone else sort of has um, and how then that affects them in different settings, whether they mm. become really quiet, whether they are not the first people to, you know, start conversation with mm. someone else. And for the rest of us in the room, we're just sitting there going, oh, wow, that person's really quiet. Mm. Or, you know, that person's not really that talkative, but it's actually a lot more going on behind it. And I think, you know, to your point, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. I think accents are amazing. I love accents, you know, whatever accent it is, I love it. Um, Maybe not the Australian accent, but. (laughs) <laughs> I've just lost all of our Australian listeners. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm kidding. Um, but accents are beautiful. They add so much to, you know, um, our lives and our conversation and just the beauty of English mm. itself. And so there's nothing wrong with the accent, but because of the shame mm. that people feel, um, because of the perceived judgment, mm. well, yeah, judgment that they feel they're going to get because of their accent, um, it pushes them into a corner, I would say. Mm. You know, it pushes them out of um, the group of people that they're mm. in, which is really sad. And I think that's the same with, mm. for me personally, I believe, with um, being queer. Mm. Mm. It's not bad, but because of the judgments and the way society looks upon um, us, um, it's hard not to feel you know the pangs of shame come through every time you feel like you can step forward and be your authentic self Mm. and i think it's interesting thinking about those examples and and particularly in what um i guess i can particularly relate to and that is the shame associated with homosexuality um it's interesting how often it can i guess very much be around my experience and how much I perceive there to be judgment. So it's not necessarily based on the judgment that I'm actually experiencing at the time, but it's about 
a perception of how I may be judged if I'm open based on past experiences Mm. and based on stories from other people. Mm. And I think that that's something that is a real, um, uh, it is really sad because sometimes then sometimes we actually are ashamed and experience a lot of shame when there is no reason for that. Mm. And I think shame to a certain extent might almost be a, an, a mechanism for protection mm-hmm. um, because it holds us back. So we're not going to put ourselves in danger of experiencing that rejection of experiencing that, um, that discrimination that we expect. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I think sometimes that shame prevents us from being open when there is no risk of discrimination. There is no risk of, of rejection. So I think um, that is a starting point <laughs> to say, yes, I think that there is definitely shame involved in in my hesitation or, or our hesitation, I would say, to go to some churches. And I think... I think a reason for that is really the traditional, the uh, more common, the more widespread view within the Christian church is that homosexuality is wrong. Mm. And although I am well aware that there is a, a growing number of Christians who are open to homosexuality and who who are open to acknowledging that there's actually nothing wrong with it. That is still the official stance of most conservative churches. Um, And it is still a very widely held and in some cases promoted belief of a Christian church. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, Regardless of what I may or may not have heard, my first um, impression or my, my, my instinct, my expectation when walking into a Christian environment is to expect that they will frown upon my sexuality and they will look badly on our relationship and that immediately instigates this sense of shame. Mm. So how, I guess, the question then comes up is how do we then get out of this, Mm. I guess, cycle of shame? Um, You know, how do we um, live our authentic lives? Do we just turn up and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go for gold? Uh, Yeah, Uh, with ourselves. Mm. Um, We've been to churches. I remember when we were over in Europe and, you know, before we'd go to any particular city, we'd always read up about whether or not they were gay-friendly, I guess, whether mm. or not we could hold hands in public. And even sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in church and the deacon's coming up collecting the offering and um, you're holding my hand and I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do we get out of mm. that? Is mm. it something that can happen overnight or are we going to... Mm you know, go on a journey. I personally believe it's a journey because mm. I'm years removed from my coming out experience, but here I am still mm. feeling shame in different situations and in situations that I, you know, wouldn't have thought that mm. I would feel that. And I think in that sense, it is very much, very much a journey. It's definitely not something that that can be dealt with overnight. I think, I think for me, 
I have spent so much of my life living in shame and I've spent so much of my life, um, I guess, trying to, um, uh, in a sense, portray the person that I think other people want me to be mm. rather than necessarily being my authentic self. Mm. I've spent so many years doing that that it's actually really difficult for me to be authentic. Yeah. And it's really difficult for me to know what it's actually like to not live with shame and not be, um, I guess, editing myself and how I, I um, express myself all the time. And so it is hard to get out of that. And I think that that in and of itself is, is a journey that I need to go on and only I can go on. Um Obviously, with the support of my husband, who also knows me very well and therefore can help me to maybe understand a little bit more of who I am and when I'm being inauthentic. Um, so I think that, that that's one aspect of it, uh, of, is, is getting to that point where you can recognize that you're not always authentic and try and push yourself to be more authentic. Mm, mm. I think aside from that, a, a really important thing is being aware of how much your position, your environment impacts your sense of shame. Um, as we just talked about it, it's not, it's not restricted to the Christian church. Even when just traveling, we were looking at these various countries and trying to get a handle on maybe what particular parts of a city were safe and which weren't maybe which, um, which countries were safer than others, which, which places were more open. Uh, when we were looking at booking our honeymoon, we chose places and we ruled places out according to how they reacted to homosexuality and same-sex relationships. And I think the reason for that is we wanted to be safe and we wanted to be able to be in an environment where we could be comfortable and open and just enjoy our honeymoon. Mm. Um, now, unfortunately, we haven't actually gotten to experience that. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. COVID. <laughs> But um, but the point is that I think that that's also an important thing to, to an important step to make is to acknowledge the in and know the environments that you're going to be putting yourself in, and make sure that you protect yourself and you put yourself in environments where you know that you are less likely to feel shame. Mm. Um, we have discussed trying to go to various Adventist churches that are close to us. But even though we want to, there's a part of us that wants to go and be visible and be an example, we also acknowledge that we need to protect ourselves and we need mm. to make sure that we can be in a place where we're not ashamed, can be open and honest about who we are because that then also allows us to be authentic with God mm. and to be open with God. And we want to go to a church where we can connect with God fully. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we choose to try and go to churches that we know are open and mm. and don't just say they're open um, but they're actually affirming and we can go there and know that we will be welcome fully we can be up the front it's a church where we see people like us up the front involved doing special items mm. um, leading out in the praise and mm. worship and and i think that's an important step yeah so this journey of, um, you know, self-acceptance and being authentically myself, 
Um, I think it's been one of the most beautiful journeys I've ever been on. It's also been one of the most scariest journeys that I've ever embarked on because you don't really know where you'll end up. Mm. And you get to learn so much about yourself. Like Daniel was saying, you know, we spend so much of our lives um, putting on this um, persona mm. that we think everyone else would find more, you know, acceptable. Mm. Um, and so now we have to like deconstruct all of that and find out who we truly are and what we truly like and you know all of those things and i i remember the story of um moses mm. you know who was born an israelite to jew but was then adopted by pharaoh's daughter and mm. he's now grown up his whole life you know he's grown up his whole life learning the ways of the egyptians and pretty mm. much being an egyptian until he has that encounter mm. with the burning bush. And even then, when he hears, you know, the God's voice, when he feels his presence, Moses is still afraid of going back to Egypt. Mm. And I wonder if there's a element of shame yeah. associated with that, not only because he killed someone, mm. um, but also because he's now going back, you know, this one of the princes of Egypt is now going back to Egypt mm. as like this herder from the middle of nowhere. Mm. Um, and how that must have felt like. And it's interesting how God was talking to him through this burning bush. Like I cannot think of any more obvious way that God could communicate with someone. And yet even when God said to him, I'm calling you to do this, I'm calling you to do that, his response was still, I'm not capable. I'm not good enough for this. And yet this is God, his creator, who is calling him to this, who is who is asking him to do this. And, and I just think how often, um, I guess, am, am I put in positions? Are we put in positions where... God actually has a clear purpose for us and a role for us to play as queer Christians. And yet we've spent so much of our lives convincing ourselves that we're not good enough, that, that we need to be ashamed of ourselves and have hidden ourselves away that when it comes to it, we don't feel like we're worthy. We don't feel like we're capable and we don't feel like we have the ability to be who God is calling us to be. Mm. Mm. And I really want to encourage uh, to explore this a lot further as well because it's interesting that we live uh, we live our whole lives building up this persona, building up this image, and like Moses, our Creator, the one who put us together, is now calling us to live authentically, mm. and you know to be so visible that mm. we are also a symbol to others to come out, mm. you know, um, to also live their authentic selves mm. and not be bound by the shackles of shame mm. and oppression, very similar to mm. the experience of the Israelites mm. in Egypt. Um, and, and I think that is, a, that is a huge point there because um, when, when talking about, well, what can we do to fix this? What can we do to get out of this? Um, this pattern of shame, I think visibility and stories is a, is a huge part of that because in many ways, we, no matter what 
part of the human race we're in. And I feel like just the, the, the commonality amongst humans is if we can't see it in other people, we're ashamed of it. If we can't see another example of it, if we don't feel like we fit in with the community, then we're ashamed of ourselves because we feel like we're weird. We feel like we're odd. And so I think for, for queer Christians growing up, we just don't see ourselves in anyone else. We don't see other Christians who we can relate to in the sense of being queer as well. And and so we feel ashamed. We feel like we're alone. We feel like we are weird, that we are odd, and there's no one we can talk to about it. More and more in society, we are, we are fortunate now that we can actually see queer people that we can relate to in society, in movies, in, in TV shows, out there in the media, um, sports um, personalities, and all sorts of people out there now are, are, are queer icons, are people that, that the queer community can see and relate to and see that there is someone else like them. But unfortunately, still in the Christian community, there are not many role models out there for queer Christians. Mm. And so it is still something that growing up, you can't see yourself in people. You can't see yourself in the church. And so mm. you feel weird and, and you learn to be ashamed of, of your, your weirdness. Mm. And I think that that is where increased visibility, more stories and representation makes a huge difference mm. because the more that people can see themselves in these stories, can see themselves up the front of church, can see themselves leading out in praise and worship, can see themselves being in administration or mm. um, or preaching, whatever it may be, the more that people can see someone like them involved and accepted by the church, the more they will learn that they don't need to be ashamed of who they are mm. because they are, while they may be unique and special in their own way, they are also a part of God's creation and there are many other people who can relate to them and who together build a beautiful picture of God. Mm. So I just want to encourage you, you know, visibility, mm. breaking out of that, you know, the bondage mm. of shame. If you see someone who's creating content that, you know, uh, makes queer Christians more visible, share it. Mm. If you see someone who is trying in their own way to get involved in whatever Christian group or whatever it is that they're trying to get involved in, encourage them, mm. help them. Um, if you see someone who, you know, is excited about um, getting a Bible study group started or whatever it might be, a queer Christian group together. Mm. Encourage them to do that. Mm. See how you can get involved. If you're someone who, you know, is just not up in that space, who's, you know, not an extrovert or anything like that, pray for your queer brothers and sisters mm. who are out there being visible, who are out there pushing the envelopes for each other. Mm. And I'm excited about what's happening in the church. I'm excited about what's happening out there. But mm. we need to hold each other up. We need mm. to pray for each other. We need to, you know, encourage each other, share content, share messages, help push the message of mm. visibility, help push the message of inclusion. Mm. And, you know, just like Moses, be that Moses mm. so that other people can look, can see and be set free from the oppression and the chains of their shame. 
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye.